passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let me introduce to you the newest, fiercest addition to the WWE Women's Tag Team Division. The Kabuki Warriors! What do you guys think of the new name for St. Oscar? Haida. Is it Kabuki? Haida. Yeah, yeah, look, the oh. name doesn't matter. It's, oh. the, it's the talent behind the name, ladies. Because if they don't have too much on their plates, the Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade, they'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Hello and welcome to Rewind to Smackdown. It's John Pollock and Waiting. It's Tuesday night. How are you doing? I'm not bad. Um not bad. Yeah. It's great. Wonderful. Are you excited? Uh for this show, of course I am. I'm always excited. I hope so. I hope you sit down and be like, yes. It's time to talk to John. <laughs> For God knows how long, and who knows what's going to annoy him on this fucking show. Well, as you bring know, it on. As you know, I have a standing desk, John, so I'm standing with excitement. You do have a. St- I, I never uh, actually have pictured you standing as I talk to you. That's quite the visual that I'm not. Uh, I, I I don't associate you with, but you you do stand for these shows. I'm doing that right now. Yeah, that's on crazy. Own, on my own two feet. How so? I'll tell you what's crazy. I, I, I couldn't stand that long. I'd be honest. Like we're we're going to talk for over an hour here. I could not stand for that long, and that's uh, maybe like what what are the benefits of of uh, like that you found of doing? How long have you been doing this for? I I forget the show. I only want to talk about this. <laughs> well, I do have a stool that when I get tired I will sit on. But oh, primarily it's because so much of my job now involves sitting, including watching three to to five hours of wrestling uh, Monday and Tuesday. Um, that by the time, you know, it's, it's time for you and me to talk about it for another hour or two, I prefer to stand at least to start off. Well, that's great. I, I just sit a lot and it's probably not good. Um, yeah, whatever. Just, you feel more authoritative when you're standing? Like, do you feel more defiant? Um, no, not really. Um, no, I don't think sitting or standing has anything to do with that. I can't. I can't say it's got any type of mental um, effects on me. I have to say. Well, when we do the show here on Sunday, you can certainly stand here at this desk. Like these microphone like stands adjust, so you can stand. I will only do that if you stand as well. Cause... We should start the show standing and see who can last longest. Stand. You'll win, but I'd like to see how if I could keep up with you for at least ten minutes. 
Sure. I mean, it would be somewhat difficult because we do have like, you know, notes, notes. On, our, on our computers and, and without a proper, maybe we'll just put like boxes on the table so that we can stand at eyes. This eye already sounds like way too much work. Yeah, probably. Uh, have we discussed on Sunday? Uh, are, are we are we okay watching this this show on Sunday in separate rooms? Will you be offended by that, or am I doing you a great service here by watching it separately from you? I actually don't know if um, I can because um, I've I've been having issues with my WWE Network account, so I might actually have to watch on the same one as you. Oh dear. Well, we can watch upstairs actually on the on the on. Well, we can watch it on one of the TVs. Okay, and we will not talk. At all. This is a this is an off air discussion that I've brought to the entire world. <laughs> yeah, no, put totally fine. So what else is going on? Non wrestling, non MMA, just what's going on, way? Um. Uh. Not did much. You go out today? I did not. No, my my ah, I, I, I did some. No, this is stupid. Let's just get get on with the wrestling news, John. Unless you have something in your life you want to talk about. I, I'm at the tail end of this, this car accident issue. Oh, yes. Please give me an update. There are some people who might not be aware because I think we only talk, talked about this on our Patreon shows. But um, Well, go sign up for that. Well, listen. I'll <laughs> this give, is the kind of content you're missing. I'll give the John's cl- car getting wrecked when he's uh, at work. The Coles uh, notes I is, came... is that, yeah, please go ahead. So my car was parked on the street. And we have a permit to park on the street. So my wife got home from work one day and discovered that our bumper was torn off of the front of our car and is just dangling there by one side. And it's a significant damage. You can attest to it. I sent you the photo. So uh, the the silver lining here, number one, insurance was going to cover it. So that was uh, a big uh, positive. Number two was that there is this a dental office across the street that happened to have a security camera that we noticed that was directly on our car and thinking we might be able to catch this person. So long story short, this dental office, they do not want to get their hands involved in any of this. They do not want to be good citizens and help us out by making this footage available to us. So I, I can accept that, but tomorrow I'm going to this dental office and I'm cutting a promo on these people to say, you know what? You are well within your right to deny me this, but I'm well within my right to tell me that you're awful neighbors and that you owe a duty to this neighborhood to help out someone in need. And we are in need of this footage because you are telling this person that it was okay to hit our car. And there was an eyewitness at this dental office that saw it happen, that saw the person get out of their vehicle, survey the damage and then get back into his car and leave. So the fact that they are not compelled, that their conscience will not allow them to bring this person to justice, infuriates me. Will you be recording this promo? I will not be. But I'm going to have a very stern talking to this dental office to say, hey, just so you know, I know that you could have done the right thing and you chose to do the wrong thing. Are you actually going to do this? I am going to say something to them. I think it. I think it's really. Uh, I I feel very let down that you would not even uh, that you're just opting to do nothing. And I live in a world where I hope that 
when there's a stranger in need, I, I would hope that I would be someone that if I could help where it's of no, uh, it is of no consequence to myself to help someone out that I would do that for them. Right. Way if you saw somebody on the street being, being bullied, would you just walk by? Would you just do nothing? Actually, I know the answer. You have actually, you have gotten into a few skirmishes to, to help strangers. When, when was but this? This isn't even physical. This is not even like, I, I, I won't even condone necessarily getting physically involved if someone is uh, getting attacked on the street. It could be very dangerous. This is simply just doing the right thing. You have, you have surveillance footage that probably identifies this person and, you're, and, and their license plate. I think that I think it's very wrong that you just hit a car and then just take off. Yeah, it is. Um, that's too bad. So you're saying they're not giving up the footage. That's that's disappointing. That's not the you know um, conclusion I, I was hoping for. Maybe you can instead of cutting like this great promo, maybe you can plan like a really passionate speech about how important this is to you. Maybe I'll write an essay and I'm gonna go read it to them. Sure, bring your kid yeah. along. That. I think that would help. So that's what's going on. We finally got the insurance uh, did provide us with a rental, which has turned out to be a bit of a headache. But we have got our car back now. This was uh, over two grand of damage that was done. Oh, so anyway, cool. it's just it's 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 the time more than anything. Yeah. That, you know, there was one night that all my plans got just totally messed up because I had to go deal with this and go to a collision center and <clears throat> and report it. Then there was a separate day of going to get this rental. Then there was going to return this rental. And it's just, you may, you may be surprised, but time is something I don't have a, a huge amount of free. And it irks me that so much of it is sucked up by something I had no control over. One person just being, you know, mistakes happen. I can understand. You hit the car, you can work out this problem. It's not the end of the world. It's it's more so the lack of urgency and responsibility that was taken that really drives me insane because I'm not a very vindictive person. I understand mistakes happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, that sucks, man. Karma perhaps might catch up. Yeah, this, this guy put person. the car in karma and knocked this bumper off. So <laughs> that's how I, that's how I'm doing, way. Are we ready to move on? <laughs> I think so. All right, all right. I, I realize sometimes we we babble on for, uh, for for too long. No, this is it's important. It's important. I just this uh, is this is therapy. Yeah, I don't have time to go uh, lie on a couch and and get all my grievances out. That's what all of you people are for. I get to I get to get all of it out here, and you guys can all listen to me. Our shows this week. Oh, you're, it's my turn now. I can go over it. Okay. We're going to be back on Wednesday. Uh, looking forward to this. We've got the British Wrestling Experience with Benno, Martin, and they're going to be joined by Will Cooling. Uh, he's going to be on the program. Wednesday night, Way and I will be back with the Double Shot. Lots to unpack on the Double Shot. If you are a Post Wrestling Cafe member, you will get this show. We're going to be reviewing the, I guess, season finale of Dark Side of the Ring. This is the fabulous Moolah episode. As well, we're going to review the Tom McGee-Bret Hart match. Uh, along with the documentary that accompanied it with the WWE Network's presentation of it on Monday night. We've got a new Being the Elite, uh, and who knows what else may be on the uh, the menu 
on the double shot. But that's Wednesday night if you are a Post Wrestling Cafe member. Thursday, we've got the Cafe Hangout. We're going to be live at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. That's live for Double Double, Ice Cap, and Espresso members. And we're going to be joined live by Tony Maglio of The Wrap. He has been attending all of these upfronts this week, uh, reporter in the television industry. And I think everyone's expecting an AEW announcement of some sort on Wednesday. And if for some reason uh, there's something different, whatever it is, we're going to be chatting about it on Thursday with Tony. So I'm looking forward to that interview a lot. Then on Friday, actually up next as well, is coming out on Thursday with Braden and Davey chatting the latest episode of NXT. Friday, it is the return of Rewind Away. It is number 36, and we're reviewing WWF One Night Only from 1997, headlined by the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, defending the European title against Shawn Michaels from Birmingham, England. Have you started the show yet? Oh, no way. Oh, my God, I forget we're doing that. Um in a few days, so yeah, I'll probably do that tomorrow. You're insane. I I have to whatever show we're reviewing on a Friday, I've got to start it by Sunday. Because once Monday starts, it's a uh, I go into the abyss. There's so much stuff that's always going on, new stuff. I got to get that stuff out of the way early. Yeah, I've actually I've got to watch the main event still. But um, yeah, you can enjoy uh, Tiger Ali Singh, the Headbangers. It's 1997 WWF. I'm looking forward to it. Then, uh, final two shows of the week. Nate Milton is back on Saturday with the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, reviewing Doom, starring, you guessed it, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And then Sunday night, Way and I are presenting the Money in the Bank post-show. Again, if you are a double-double Ice Cap or Espresso member, you can watch that show live and call in. Why not? Chat about Money in the Bank. The rest of you will all have that show late Sunday night. As we recap, Money in the Bank, which over under 10.45 p.m. Eastern time way. What time is that show going to end at? Um, 10.45. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say a little over, but not, not too much over. It starts at 7. The kickoff is at 6. Mm-hmm. So get ready, everyone. Uh, that's coming up on Sunday night. Uh, any shows I missed? I think I did pretty well off the top of my head there. I don't have any list here. I think this that's is just muscle memory. I feel like that's that's pretty much all of them. Yeah. All right. Good job. So go check that out. Postwrestling.com. Subscribe to all of the shows. Leave some feedback on iTunes. I hear that stuff is really good. So do that. Yes, It'd be please. wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Make up for my uh, my bump. I gave you the bumper story. So you know what? Leave me a nice review. Say that waiting, uh, you know, the 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 world of drivers may not stand for anything. But every single night when he's hosting a radio show, waiting is standing for all of us. That should be your your review. Yeah. All right. Um, where do you want to go next, Way? You want to chat about some news? Let's do that. Yes. All right. I guess we got to start with Lars Sullivan. So this was a notable story today. Uh, Lars Sullivan has been fined $100,000 by the WWE. Let us get the exact statement that uh, they sent out earlier today to members of the media. WWE supports a culture of inclusion, regardless of gender, race, religion, or sexual orientation, and we are committed to embracing all individuals as demonstrated by the diversity of our employees, performers, and fans worldwide. Dylan Miley, a.k.a. Lars Sullivan, will be be fined $100,000 and required to complete sensitivity training for offensive commentary uncovered from his past. WWE will also facilitate meetings for Dylan with community organizations to foster further discussion around the power of social media and the impact 
of your words. So I think most people are up to speed on what comments these are that did not surface just this past week. I mean, these were these were known for some time that these existed on a forum and uh, they came to light. Um, these were comments that go, I think, as far back as 2005, 2006, and probably as recently as 2013. So that's kind of the time frame we're looking at here. And I think that what this came down to, Way, was that I think they were hoping that this w- this was going to be a story that would maybe exist amongst uh, wrestling media, but would be kind of people would move on. And I think they got to a point where it was not moving on, and they they obviously felt the need that we have to do something, and they were not going to fire this guy, so they announced that they are fining him. And it seems that the the feedback has been, where is this fine going to? Is this something where the WWE is just uh, gaining $100,000? What is going to be done with this fine? Um, and I think other people have been critical of, whether or not he should be fined for something that happened so long ago. I don't see that as much of um, of an argument. I think that ultimately you are representing the company, and if stuff from your past surfaces, you ultimately do have to answer for that. That was not something where when the Hulk Hogan mess happened, it wasn't a case of WWE stating, well, he wasn't under contract to us when that happened, so we're not going to take ownership of that. Um, you know, if it's... This is a company that if it's going to affect sponsors, if this is going to affect advertisers and their overall public image, they're going to weigh uh, what kind of actions we need to take to put a stance on something. And if it's going to grow into something, they obviously felt that they needed to take this step with him. But why a fine instead of just uh, letting this person go? Because they obviously did not want to fire him. I would definitely believe that if this guy was someone that they did not have plans for, if this was someone lower on the roster, I think there's a very good chance he could have been let go. Um, I, well, I th- let's also let's also keep in mind um, here. When was he exactly signed to the company? He was signed in 2013. Okay, so these comments were any of these things said while he was signed, or is that well, even he a, was a, 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 an important point here? It says here that the the online forum posts went from 2007 to 2013, and he was signed in October 2013. Like, I'm really not going to, uh, it, you know, if he if his last post was a was two months before he signed, I think that's immaterial. I think ultimately, you're looking at someone that this is somebody that we are promoting now, and this is going to be something that uh, it, it, I, I don't want to be promoting someone that I believe is going to be an embarrassment to us that is going to be pushing forward beliefs. Now I would also like to have this guy, like, is this something that he is genuinely remorseful for? Is it something that he ultimately believed at the time? Was it something that he uh, has grown as an individual in the last six years? I would hope so. I hope that he doesn't subscribe to these thoughts. I, but we, we don't know. Uh, he did issue an apology last week uh, that he issued I believe it was to Wrestling Inc., so he has addressed these as well. And, I mean, this is probably going to be a more extreme example because there was such a high volume of them, but this is uh, probably, he's probably not the only one that has embarrassing online material about him. We saw this happen with Ty Dillinger uh, last summer as well. Mm -hmm. Tweets that 
resurface from one's past. And that becomes a question of, you know, people that ultimately have to be responsible for what they put out there. And when you're with a company like WWE, I think they're going to absorb as much criticism as they can. But when it, they also are going to be reactionary if the wrong people are upset about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I think it's it's part of a larger discussion that you know we 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 are having a lot more these days about um, people being held accountable for things that they might have uh, said on the internet for many years ago. Uh, obviously, you know, high profile cases um, in, involving other celebrities are, are are you hear about them all the time now. Um, I I I think what makes this one interesting to me is the fact that it it it, it involved a monetary fine. Um, and I'm not necessarily sure that, you know, that really fixes anything, but, um, I feel like with most things that the WWE seems to practice, it's, it's mainly for PR and mainly to me, it's a sign to let the world know that the WWE does not condone this. Um, and this is an ability that the next time they face scrutiny about this, they have an answer of this is how we dealt with it. That's what this is. Right, yeah. It's something to point to to say we didn't ignore this. Um, well, except as, they are kind of ignoring it by continuing to to just push him. Um, but they they are fining him for it. So I guess it's you know, I guess in in their minds this is this is all kind of fair. But it's hard to say what's fair with something like this. Something you know, you're going to get a lot of I think disagreement either way you know many people i i i see defending um lars sullivan not necessarily not of course for what he said but you know more so for perhaps the the time that's passed and you know what kind of precedent does this send um you know would you punish somebody like a ty dillinger would you punish some anybody would you go on and, and dig through people's twitter timelines and possibly offer fines to anybody if they said something that you know doesn't make the company look good um, it's sort does it of, make it does it make it different in your mind if this was an isolated post, an isolated tweet, uh, mm. versus a continued pattern of this that it's when on its own that when when you see the grouping of all of it together, which they've compiled together, that that um that carries more weight that this is something that was prolonged for a long period of offensive statements and a. A varying degree of them as well. Well, certainly. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I think this type of behavior over like a long period of time suggests that it wasn't just, you know, uh, an attempt at like a small joke. It was, it, it, it at least seemed to be a part of this man's online identity on this particular message board. Um, but uh, like, don't you feel like maybe this is a bit, uh, you know, just pie in the sky theorizing here. I would ultimately, if I was Mark Carano, if I was whoever was tasked with being the discipline here of making this decision, I would want to sit down with the talent that has to share a locker room with this guy and get a sense. Is, is this guy a negative force in this locker room? What We know these comments are out there. Uh, is this somebody that espouses these beliefs to you? Is this someone that makes you uncomfortable as an African-American in this locker room? Uh, I would want to know those that are closest around this guy. What kind of an individual is Dylan Miley? Is this guy a positive force in the locker room? Is this someone that this is only scratching the surface? What we have uh, 
uncovered online. Um, so you know, let's Biggie say- and Kalisto have not had that hesitation to comment about this online. And I think ultimately, I think the talent should have a voice in this as well about the people they share a locker room with. And if they believe that this is someone that does not reflect these comments that were from years ago, that he has a very different uh, attitude towards them in the locker room. Well, we don't know what Biggie's comments were in reference to, whether or not it was, you know, about who he is today or just simply on what these posts seem to indicate from his past. Well, yeah, he was referring to the posts. Yeah. Right. So are you suggesting that if this person is different from the person that that he, you know, seems to be on the, on his post that the punishment should be different? I'm saying that if this is somebody that the locker room looked at as someone that is he has made racist comments. Is this man, has he shown any uh, examples of that in this workplace to other talents? Or do they believe those comments are not reflective of who Dylan Miley is in 2019 because he has shown none of that in the locker room? He has been very respectful to all of the talent. But how do you know who a person truly is simply by how they act in the locker room? I would say that if you're uh, especially of the people, this guy has been in NXT since 2013. So I would put a lot of weight around the talent that has been around this guy for the last six years that have a good sense of what kind of an individual he is. And that's why I would rely on talent more so than uh, the upper echelon of executives in the company that are making this decision. But closet racism exists. Well, I'm not saying that it's the be all end all. But I would I would trust the people that are around this guy day in and day out that are on the road with this guy um, that I would hope have a decent sense of who this guy is. Right. I, I'm just saying it's it's something that I would hope that those would be the people to me that could at least because this is someone that if he's in this locker room, I think he's really ostracized himself with all of this coming to light. Oh, for sure. And it's the locker room that ultimately is going to uh, endorse this guy or condemn him. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, I don't know if this, you know, fine really does anything to fix that. Um, certainly, I feel, you know, issuing personal apologies and having these private conversations with that he seems to be having with many members of the locker room. I think that might go a long way to, to fixing things. But more importantly, I think it'll be time. And I think really, however, he needs to show remorse is is, you know, ultimately what's going to fix it. I personally don't really think a hundred thousand dollar fine will, will do anything, but it's again, it's more so a public statement from the company in the doing so the only way they know how without actually taking this guy off a of TV. Yeah, and I I think ultimately they did not want to cross that line, and the line again of what, like these co- these comments using were known at the time they called him up as well. It's just they've grown bigger over the past couple of weeks, so it's not like this is just coming out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Now they're forced to do it because it's a story. They believe there's enough pressure that they had to react with something. Whereas prior, I think they felt that this was something that would ultimately pass because when he was getting called up, uh, people were alerting everyone to these comments if you weren't aware of them. So I, I think it's, um, yeah, it's it's a position that it's a very difficult one if you're Dylan Miley that now has to move forward with this, but the company is... Largely standing with him here, I would say. I think this is more a that we are we are not cutting ties with this guy. We are we are going to put out that this fine, whatever this means. 
Uh, and I don't think $100,000 is nothing to a guy that's just been called up from NXT, but it is, it, it's, um, I guess, a curious solution to come to to this, that that is what they made the ultimate decision here. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, I, I think it would be nice if like this $100,000 went to some type of, I don't know, some something to actually benefit. Any number of programs or, you know, outlets and not just like it's just this man's been fined $100,000. So yeah. in theory, like this, I, I think there should be some context to where where is that money going? Definitely. It's a really interesting case and it's a case with that, that a lot of people have very different opinions on. So um, what do you think? Let us know in the comments. All right. Uh, I just wanted to make a quick update from our discussion about uh, the Silver King story that we were talking about on Rewind to Raw. Uh, because uh, Will Cooling, who's going to be on the British Wrestling Experience on Wednesday, he, he noted on, on Twitter, uh, he was at the afternoon show, but not the evening show. And at the Roundhouse, which is the venue where it took place at, the venue does provide a medical practitioner uh, as part of uh, renting out the, the venue. And there was no ambulance on site. Uh, the Associated Press added that the London Ambulance Service, uh, they had said that medics arrived five minutes after they were called to the roundhouse on Saturday, but the patient was pronounced dead at the scene as well. So I, I just want to make that update as well regarding um, the situation there. And, you know, it just seems like it was largely no one knowing what to do and rather disorganized in terms of what to do with such a serious situation happening. Um, but yes, that was the update there. Uh, what else do we had? We also had two interesting articles that came out on Wednesday. The first being this cover story from Variety, uh, looking at Vince McMahon and the WWE with Vince McMahon proudly holding the WWE championship on this cover. Did you see the cover way? I did. Yes. Yes, I saw the article in the cover. Yeah. So it's a really big piece on the WWE and putting over what major advancements the company has made, especially over the life of this last television deal that started back in 2014 when NBC Universal was the only serious bidder. And that, if you remember back in 2014, it was a few months after they had launched the WWE Network, which had not endeared themselves to some of their partners. Uh, the fact that it they launched this network and may have handicapped their their bargaining with a lot of outlets. Um, so they signed that deal in 2014, which underwhelmed the stockholders when Vince McMahon had promised, you know, big big increases, and they were not able to meet the uh, meet the expectations that Vince McMahon had set out. And then we turn around to 2018, and of course they have this enormous television rights renewal 265 million a year for raw on usa and 205 million a year from fox uh, both five-year deals so enormous for the company the the stock has shot up and in this piece it seems they interviewed vince mcmahon they interviewed michelle wilson they interviewed george barrios they also interviewed several analysts there was a media buyer in here and it was very interesting to see especially from the outside looking in that I think on both sides of the fence, an enormous optimism way that once they go to Fox in October, there's going to be this popularity explosion for WWE. That is what they're bracing for because of all the cross promotion that's going to happen within the Fox family that 
NBC Universal is going to step up and match whatever Fox is doing. So they're going to benefit from both networks wanting to promote WWE. And they're going to be on this bigger platform on Fox in so many more homes on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. It seems like they are really growing expectations. And it, it might be. It might be this this huge audience that they find for WWE programming on Friday night. But it's... I. Don't think that this move comes without caution in terms of measuring your expectations of what this is going to mean for this company's popularity. Well, certainly. Absolutely. I think, you know, this would be an article that would be more relevant had it come out perhaps six months earlier. Um, But I think especially with recent ratings trends, it says it seems a little outdated, Um, does not really hint at, you know, the current uh, WWE's current underperformance in many areas. Um, and you could very well be right, or they could very well be right about, you know, things changing when, once Fox kicks in, but, um, I feel like they also should be bracing for potential disappointment as well with the current trend of, of the popularity of the product. Um, the article to me just kind of felt more like, you know, in case you haven't been paying attention to the WWE over the past 10 years, let us catch you up. They're now uh, making a whole lot of money. They're a very coveted uh, uh, product by many of, uh, of our top broadcasters in America. And um, their stock is trading at a very high level right now. So check it out. Look at how big wrestling is right now. Which seems like a story, again, that was more so the case several months ago. Not so much where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, one of the media analysts, uh, Curry Baker, says... It's a low-risk, high-return media company. The contracts are straight licensing revenue. There's no variability built into them for ratings or advertising sales. The company has very little debt, and the risk to earnings in terms of a recession is low. They are pretty immune in the event of an economic downturn. So stating that there are no built-in ratings expectations, they don't have to meet certain advertising markers either. I mean, this is guaranteed revenue over the next five years, which is accurate i mean they are going to be swimming in these profits for five years and realistically worrying about five years from now it's you can't possibly predict what the industry is going to look like in five years but certainly there are other metrics that you can look at that i mean ultimately you want to be ahead of the game to see where your audience is growing or decreasing and certainly we've seen the on-screen reaction to where numbers have gone over the past number of weeks in terms of trying to curb that erosion. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's for those reasons that I think perhaps uh, on the surface, if you're just somebody uh, who's a casual observer looking at the company, not watching its weekly programming, but simply, you know, looking at, at the value of the company and whether or not it's a worthy investment, it's those factors alone that, that seem to make it so attractive, I would say. Um, and in the end, all these things that you and I and maybe a lot of people who listen to this show kind of obsess over match quality, uh, even something like Saudi Arabia, uh, all this stuff. To somebody who simply wants to invest in the company, I would say a lot of these things are moot points. They just seem to want to say, see how much money this company can make. And thus far, it's a lot. Yeah, the they did address the Saudi Arabia shows and the criticism that they did face after it. And... All that's stated was uh, the company's statement at the time calling the 
uh, Jamal Khashoggi murder a heinous crime, but said it had to uphold its contractual obligations to the Saudi promoters. Uh, and that was it. They talked about the John Oliver segment and uh, the only kind of uh, just restated quote regarding the, just restated the time the off. Just restated the official like company lines in the article. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Um, but when it was asked about talent taking time off, uh, Vince McMahon did say, anybody who wants time off can get time off. In addition to that, it's easy to weave a talent in and out of a storyline. If they get injured, you're not expecting that. Or if they have a family matter. Our characters are real people with real problems. It's a revolving situation where this talent will work these dates. That talent will work those dates. So that's it. Makes it Just ask for time off if you need it. Yeah, it makes it sound so simple. Yeah. But I'm taking two weeks off. I mean, you can do that. I'm sure you can, but I guess good luck getting that your spot when you return. Yeah, wh- why, why doesn't that happen, though? Uh, what do you mean? People asking for time off? Like, why don't I see... Seth Rollins take two weeks off, and we don't we don't see him. He probably doesn't want to. Well, I don't see anyone ever do that. I never hear of people. Well, Sasha Banks. Uh, Sasha Banks take is taking. She's taking time off right now. Uh, I guess. I guess that's technically yes. Time off. She has been off for an indefinite period. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's 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 sort of a. It's a more complicated issue. Like most of the time, when people want time off, it's 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 perhaps a bit more complicated than that. But um, listen, if you're Vince McMahon, like this is your your explanation is that you know, like it's kind of you can leave if you want, uh, and then we can choose to use you or not when when we when you are ready to come back. It's you know, it's it's his company, and essentially, right now, he can do whatever he wants. So if I wanted a month off. You could would take I have a month to make, off. Yeah. Would my contract be frozen and I have to make up that month at the end of my contract? Um, I think it depends. I don't know technically what it says on a lot of these contracts, but if you're to be out for injury, seems like the answer is yes, if they want it to be that way. So if I was hurt, then I would just not tell them about my injury and say, I just want some time off. I just want six months off to relax. Well, I don't know what the contract states there either, but I would imagine if you did that ha. i mean if you're out for an injury and I, I desperately just... want to read a wwe contract from the past three years yeah but so that we know what this exact language is uh yeah. regarding these well at the same time time periods at the same time if you don't like the contract why would you sign in the first place yes but i think that's also kind of putting a lot of the onus on the performer that if they are if they are going to simply to me it's i really i i understand the by looking at it in that sense that you you are ultimately responsible for what you sign but i mean we have a history of labor laws where employees find themselves in contracts that are just not constitutional or go against just basic rights and i would say when you have the ability to tell someone well, your contract that you thought was ending on this date has now been extended by six months uh, because you got hurt in this physical line of work that we pay you for. I think if I was a, a legal representative, that would be something that I believe I could fight. Has there been a case yet? No, no one has challenged this. I'd like to see and that. I, I think it's also telling that no one has challenged this. Yeah, I'd like to see it. 
so anyway, it's a it's an interesting article. It's it's very much a um, recap. I won't say it's Summary. the WWE Business Partner Summit, but it is largely look how huge they are. And if they're looking for areas of growth, uh, they mentioned here when it comes to sponsorship dollars that the WWE. Uh, this is where uh, the analyst Curry Baker estimates the WWE makes about twenty five million a year in sponsorship compared to sixty million that the UFC makes, and looks at that as an area that. They could close that gap, and that would be an enormous increase in revenue if they could get their sponsorships up, and therefore that ties into enhancing the image of the company, which they note that a lot of advertisers are not as leery as they were in years past of WWE and pro wrestling because of the image. And certainly, the WWE has greatly enhanced its image, especially over these past five years. I would say their work with NBC Universal, they have brought in a lot of new advertisers, of more high-end advertisers. And that seems to be an area they they could grow and be closer to what the UFC is able to attract that are more affluent advertisers. I'm curious to know how much of that deficit comes from the UFC, um, you know, having sponsorships. Uh, Sorry, you didn't call them by their name here in, in uh, Variety. The ultra-violent UFC. The ultra-violent UFC, that's right. Yeah, how much of that deficit between their sponsorship earnings and the WWE's comes from on-screen sponsorship? You know, of course, like in the, in the form of... Uh, Probably significant, and that's, yeah, that's a great point. That the WWE has always been reticent to... I mean, they have never given up canvas space, which would be the most valuable, you would assume. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't... I mean, knowing how... I guess uh, Adam and Vince has been over the the entire history of his organization with, with something as, you know, simple as putting a logo on a canvas and him, even in the WWE's most dire years, not wanting to do that. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, but Isn't that amazing that that is one, uh, one point that Vince McMahon has been very steady on throughout his time as a promoter? That you look at different sports franchises that are now more and more ex- experimenting with advertising on jerseys and how sacrilegious it is the idea of seeing a, a logo on a Montreal Canadiens jersey but that's that's the direction all those sports leagues are going in and yet WWE they they want that clean look of their mat and I just go back to UFC on Saturday the card in Brazil giant Volkswagen logo dead center of the octagon yeah. and certainly I don't know if Volkswagen would be spending money on WWE, but Whatever. there's there's Whatever. a lot that they could be making off of th- that specific area. So that's a great point you bring up. Certainly, I, and if anything, I I actually kind of find it uh, find that to be a, a point of uh, Vince McMahon that I actually respect is, is you know how how much he seems to care about the artistry and the the purity of of the the aesthetics of his product. That of course doesn't stop him from you know occasionally doing the terrible sponsored subway ad with his talent or uh what was the carl what is this the the drive-through thing what do you what is that place um sonic sonic or mountain dew all this other shit that that has its place but the canvas that's that's sacred that is that is sacred ground for them uh so you can look at this article we did a link to it there's a lot of points brought up um his uh vince mcmahon's final quote I liken it to the military. At the end of the day, I've got these ribbons and all these medals, and I wake up in the morning, and every one of them is gone. You have to earn everybody's respect every day, all over again, and I don't take it for granted. God damn, he sounds like he would uh, make a great motivational speaker. Yep. When they were asked about ever selling, 
He just said, we're open for business. He declined to elaborate what that meant. Man, that would our jobs would be so much less fun if the McMahons ever sold to like Disney or something. Come on. This would not be nearly as interesting of a job. I, I, I did like how amazingly he simplified WCW in half of a paragraph. Ted Turner opened his checkbook and spent a lot of money buying our talent. We knew they'd do okay for a while, but we knew they couldn't stand the grind. That was WCW. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, I, I'm that... curious to see, to know what he thinks of AEW. Can they stand the grind? Uh, well, that was that was brought up actually in a separate interview. Um, I think it was uh, George Barrios did it did a speech on Tuesday, and he was asked specifically about AEW, and he just he's got, he, this guy's a robot. He is ready with every response for every conceivable question, and the competition question he reverts to a quote about uh, sleep is our competition. So everyone is our competition. Um, people going to sleep is a viable option. So we have to compete with sleep. <laughs> That's certainly true on Mondays. Yes. Tuesdays, yes. yes. Sleep is really enticing at 10, 15 PM <laughs> on a Monday night. So George is right on the ball there. Uh, one other article just to quickly go through, not as in depth as the last one, but, uh, Burke Magnus, who is the head of programming with ESPN spoke to our guest on Thursday, Tony Maglio about ESPN's negotiations with the WWE last year for SmackDown and ultimately, they just could not make SmackDown work because of it being a 52-week-a-year program. And ESPN has such a depth of programming that they could not allocate two hours every week to SmackDown. And they, he did not go into specifics, but said that they did throw around um, different ideas to try and make it work. Ultimately, it didn't uh, because the question was poised about an off-season to allow SmackDown to work. And he... He denied that option, but said that there were other discussions and this was not going to be a case of SmackDown was their option before the UFC. He said that the UFC was already completed. This would be in addition to the UFC package. But um, yeah, I mean, ESPN, that was not um, a giant secret that they were kind of in the mix there. But ultimately, it was not not an easy fit for them. And I mean, the WWE ultimately landed a gigantic deal with Fox. So oh, they certainly did. WWE was not left uh, out in the cold. Oh yeah. They did better. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, just uh, it's a reminder of how many people were interested in them at the time. And, and I assume in five years, I, I, I don't think things will change that much. Now, while ESPN is loaded with content to me, if I was ESPN, the play I would be making for would be to spend an enormous amount to get SmackDown on ESPN Plus. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, hmm. like if I'm at ESPN, that's my priority at the moment. And we've clearly seen, like, the UFC is that driving force. And if I'm trying to launch a streaming service, I'm relying on a fan base that he's used to paying for programming. And that would not make a whole lot of sense for WWE because then you have to have a real philosophical discussion on what the WWE network is if we are driving everybody to another service. Um, UFC has been able to make that decision. That fight pass is a nice add-on for hardcore fans. It is not our primary focus. And they are sending everyone to ESPN Plus and kind of fragmenting that audience. But they are getting paid such an enormous amount to make it worthwhile. But that, to me, is the more interesting fit for uh, WWE programming is on ESPN Plus and not the 
the network itself. I have to assume that might have been at least part of the considerations from ESPN's perspective, but I, I it's not necessarily a platform that I I, I just can't see Vince taking because it severely limits your audience. And um, not when you have Fox on the table, like just for an exposure level, like ultimately if you're going to a DAZN or a streaming service, it's because the money is so great. Vince McMahon got the best of both worlds. He's on network television, getting an, he's get, entering a billion dollar deal over the life of this contract for SmackDown. You're getting the money and the exposure. Like to me, it was a no brainer and they went with the right deal. A hundred percent. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's up on the We'll probably uh, be chatting a bit about that with uh, Tony Maglio coming up on Thursday. So, without further ado, let us move on to SmackDown. Um, in London, England, on Back. Tuesday night from the O2 Arena. Our second night at the O2. Yes. Roman Reigns comes out. Uh, I thought he got a much more positive reaction tonight than he did on Monday night. It seemed like this was a very pro-Roman Reigns crowd. Uh, not to say Monday was not, but it, it did sound more audible, the booze, than Tuesday. Seemed like it, but this was also pre-taped show, so I guess well, both we should... were right. You know, maybe they cleaned one up and didn't. I don't. I'm not so sure. I just have to at least say this is a pre-taped show, so I can't really say for sure unless we hear from a live account. We'll find out Sunday in Hartford. Roman comes out and he says he still has a problem with Elias, and he welcomes the Miz to SmackDown. So let's keep count on the show. Wait, that's number one. Yes. Of the wild cards. Miz announces it's good to be back on blue. And then in maybe the most cringeworthy moment in honor of suffering succotash, the Miz tried to introduce his own version of Wonderwall. And he had to stop acknowledging how horrible it was and then try and just flip a switch to cut a serious promo on Shane. This was brutal. Well, uh, God bless the attempt, but man, this mm-hmm. was a uh, man. I, I know the Miz, you know, for his entire career has kind of been this comedic goofball. And this was uh, surely an attempt to kind of, you know, fit into that goofball role once again. Um, I suppose it's it's kind of tough for me to like buy him as a badass one episode and then having him still play elements of this goofball character on other shows. And I wonder if this crowd had that same reaction because the reaction to this was not necessarily laughter. It was not really anything. And maybe that was the intended reaction. I don't know. But um, I, I, I can say it certainly didn't make him look cool or even funny. I think that there is something Miz tapped into on Monday when he did the promo that you and I both both liked the promo, and I thought it was it wasn't so much Miz playing the badass character, but when he acknowledged, "I'm not the biggest guy, I'm not the strongest guy," it's like to me just the base rule for a babyface should be to not insult the intelligence of the audience, and by him calling out just such a basic fact that every single viewer can acknowledge. It makes you buy into when he has something to say that it's it's building some kind of credibility with your audience. Instead of trying to play this this badass character that no one can take seriously, when he actually calls it out, I think that that's a positive trait for a babyface. 
Yeah, I would. I mean, I would like I would absolutely do a, a bit more of an underdog, undersized underdog type of push, you know, with the Miz rather than somebody like a Ricochet, who I guess you can kind of expect, you know, because of his size that they would give that type of push to. But I think Miz kind of being that smaller underdog rather than this, being this badass is something I would accept a bit, a bit more naturally. Shane McMahon interrupted him with Elias, and I thought we were watching Raw from Monday. He says he cannot stand The Miz and bans him from the building tonight. And then Elias says that Reigns is underestimating him, and that's going to be the biggest mistake of his career, and he's going to make them leave the ring, and then they bring out Daniel Bryan and Rowan. So it's four on two. They rush the ring. The Usos. Now, is this number two and three or just number two of the Raw talent? Um, it would very much depend on how they considered it last week. I'm going to go two and three right okay. now. So we're up to three. The Usos run out for backup. They execute dives to the floor before they're clotheslined by Rowan. And then the baby faces clear the ring to end the segment backstage. After the break, Elias and Brian are upset with being attacked. So Shane announces a four on three handicap match where the Miz is banned from the building or the steel cage match will be canceled if he gets involved in the match tonight. So Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan, Rowan and Elias against Roman Reigns and the Usos later tonight. Yeah. I I kind of groaned at seeing the same four people start the show as we saw last night, but thankfully this segment didn't last as long. Uh when the once the Usos and Rowan and and uh, uh Bryan came in though, I I I I was really happy that we finally got that Usos Roman Reigns tag team. Um I hated that Brian and Rowan didn't come out with their tag team belts, though. You know, after winning, this was their first appearance after winning the belt last week. And what a way to tell me that these things aren't important to them. Unless it was like, what, are they getting the belts changed or something? Is like, they didn't explain that, but. Brian did say in one of the promos last week that we have to do something about these belts. He did say that last okay, week. Okay, so then have the announcers explain it. Because I'm expecting to see the tag team champions with the tag team championship belts at least for their first appearance after winning them. So um, I, that, to me, I think made the belts kind of seem insignificant. We come back. Randy Orton is just hanging out with a ladder inside of the ring. And he announces that he's going to win the money in the bank for the second time. And the three most dangerous letters in WWE will be RKO. Actually, you just said RK. Oh, that's right. Randy Keith. RK. R. Kelly? I don't know. Yeah. He uh he he has been probably canceled. Zelina Vega comes out with Andrade, and she says that people are too sensitive with spoilers these days. I was like, I'm gonna enjoy this promo. <laughs> she mentions it could be Game of Thrones, Avengers Endgame. Well, She's going to spoil everyone about Andrade's endgame and hands the microphone over and Andrade is going to climb the ladder. He's also getting the what treatment and he is going to become Mr. Money in the Bank. Yeah. I didn't love this promo from Zelina. Um, It felt like kind of a forced attempt to like shove in pop culture references into a promo. And I, you know, sometimes that could be used effectively, but this was just kind of used as as essentially like a variation of like Heyman's spoiler promo. So I didn't find it all that clever. Um, Andrade 
seems like he's just simply doing this to kind of improve himself and also perhaps to prove his abilities with English. I, 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 I would say he's certainly like, I guess, improving to some extent, but he's still very far from a promo that generates any type of heat or emotion from the audience. And I would say he's probably a long way from that, which is part of the reason why he's probably getting these what treatment, this what treatment pretty much everywhere he goes. Um, I appreciate him wanting to get practice, but I could, I consider this type of period to be a crucial time, not just for him, but also for Zelina. And I think by having this kind of split promo, which to me has not been working, it diminishes both of them. And I feel like there's a time to practice and a time to actually impress and, and show your best, best self. And, and to me, it would be right now. Andrade was also part of the long list of people that had to refer to themselves as Mr. or Miss Money in the Bank. Do you know how many times those references were made on this show? Every promo was about becoming Mr. or Miss Money in the Bank. Yeah. I mean, they it's like the prom. Who will be crowned Mr. Money in the Bank? <laughs> Maybe they'll have a big ceremony at the end of the night with your sashes. Yeah. Fatal four-way. Finn Balor, Randy Orton, Ali, and Andrade. Early on, Ali went for a Pascado to Andrade, who was holding a ladder on the floor that did way more damage to Ali than Andrade. They came back. Balor was Irish whipped into the ladder, but no announcer made a joke. Balor came back with a sling blade and a running dropkick that sent Andrade into the ladder. There was a rolling face buster by Ali, then missed the 450 and rolled right into an RKO by Orton. Andrade then hit a missile dropkick to Orton, went for the hammerlock DDT, but it's countered with an inside cradle. Balor dove to the floor onto Orton and Ali, and then Andrade sent Balor into the steps, brought him into the ring, hammerlock DDT, and Andrade pinned Balor uh, in their never-ending uh, trading wins uh, scenario. <laughs> so this was the latest win for Andrade. So uh, maybe it's a best of seven, and then the, if Andrade wins, he gets a title shot. Or maybe none of it means anything. Because that's well, we heard later that pinning someone to get a title shot that's an antiquated thought process, which right. was literally said on the show. Okay, which means all these matches pretty much are completely meaningless. So, thanks for the confirmation. Um, the match itself was just th- kind of there, you know, it, it, all four men are incredibly talented, I like them all. Um, but there's just really no stakes attached to the match, it was just kind of like an in ring preview for what was to come on Sunday. Way there was plenty at stake after the match because you see there was a ladder set up in the ring and Andrade started climbing when Ricochet runs down. This is number four. Oh, it can't be. So I guess this, I guess the uses are one then. Is that what they mean? Yes. Do they count as one? I, I think so because last week they counted as one as well. If you, and this is that. three. Yes. Yes. Ricochet is three. Ricochet came, he went through the whole. Uh, filling out the form. He got it approved from the highest level so that he could run down, springboard onto the ladder, knock Andrade down, and he climbed up and took the briefcase. That means jack shit and left with this briefcase, which he, in theory, had to hand right back over as soon as he got backstage. I know all that paperwork just to do this. How did he know this would play, play out as it did? He was probably in because t- he saw Raw. He knew somebody was going to win this stupid match and then pose in the ring for for this uh, 
uh, briefcase that doesn't mean anything. He was going to take it from somebody else. So, um, he sent them a message. It's it's kind of hokey. I would again, like I how about how about just a photo? You know, Wh- whoever gets to grab the briefcase can pose for a selfie, and that somehow becomes a coveted thing that every year somebody wants to do. Same with the battle royals. Like anytime before the rumble, they have like all of a sudden people just break into these mock royal rumbles on the Raw or SmackDown prior, and they just all of a sudden want to eliminate everybody else for no reason. So Ricochet leaves with the momentum. And then Carmella did a selfie promo. She's already won the Money in the Bank twice, so she's going for a three-peat. Kofi was in the locker room with Xavier. I always forget that. I'm trying to rack my brain thinking about, oh, did Carmella actually win this thing twice? But it was because the first time she won it, she had to give it back because of Ellsworth, and they did the rematch on TV. Uh, uh, Yes. Like right after. She won the two in like the span of a week or two. Xavier Woods wanted to come out for the Kevin Owens show to be with Kofi. Kofi said, you're not 100%. I can handle business. And Xavier was like, cool. I came here for nothing. Thank you. (laughs) Charlotte comes out and says, this Sunday will be the end of her rivalry with Becky Lynch. The end. Never again will it be revisited. No, this is it. This is it. They will never cross paths again in their history. I think this will future. be this will be like the Triple H Randy Orton of like twenty twenty eight. Okay, uh, so that'll be that'll be the last year of the the Saudi Arabia deal. So they will. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they'll be invited to go have that match there, but maybe their holograms can have a match at there, that show. There's a likely unlikely for you. Will women wrestle in Saudi Arabia, Arabia within the next nine years? All right. Um, Do you have an answer? Um, no, you don't have to answer it. It's fine. No, I'm just... Uh, I'm going to say unlikely. I'm going to say unlikely as well. I'm remembering what the what the response was when the the shot of the women just aired on the video. Yeah. And they were... And what the reaction was there. That. I'll tell you what the moment that that the answer is yes, it'll be a huge celebration, and, and I I don't imagine you won't hear about this next Saudi Arabia show featuring the women for the first time. Think everywhere. think about the Crown Jewel show and what that company had to go through for the month leading into that show. That can you guys throw us a bone, and we can at least offset this show with something that makes us look better to the public they were like well you've got that female broadcaster she can call the show right so that's what i mean renee was on the show yes she was yeah so there you go so charlotte then throws to a video package and they go through their entire history going back to nxt and this also featured sit down interviews with both the SummerSlam attack when charlotte won the title Charlotte said there is no man without the queen. And Becky may have been hot for six months. She's been hot for six years. The man is just a phase, and she's going to beat the man and become a nine-time women's champion. Uh, I thought a good video package here. Almost almost felt like the package outdid the prior build for this match, and this almost could have been saved for a bigger stage. Like I thought they did a very good job in setting up this match that is – a couple days away, and it is a big rivalry for this company. 
I mean, that's always the case. The videos are often always better than, you know, seeing the actual weeks of build. And oftentimes, like, I feel like I'm seeing completely different stories in these video packages than what I've been seeing week to week in these promos. Um, it could just be that, you know, the promos often just feel so generic that I kind of tune out. But when you kind of, like, dilute them into, like, the most, you know, important points, it, they, they're able to craft, like, a really interesting narrative. They're all kind of like Bray Wyatt promos, I guess. If you want to sit down and comb through three years worth of Bray Wyatt promos, you will come up with something that is probably incredibly interesting. Um, did you see that he revealed, like, whatever he, he said he was going to? You and I revealed it back at the time. If you go back and listen to our podcast those same 15 weeks, the, <laughs> the 14th word of each podcast we did, it explained it. Oh, boy. I can't believe no one understood that. Okay. Anyway. So um, go back and listen. Anyway. What, so, what, was, what was the big reveal? I, I didn't. Are you ready, John? I could not possibly care. Are you ready, John? I'll read it to you. Yep. What makes you smile? I know you're listening. Let me in. We don't belong here. What happened to you was such a tragedy. Limbo is no place for a soul like yours. I believe I found the answer. The angel with the burnt wings is waving you on home. This is every Bray Wyatt promo he's cut. I feel so bad for anybody who actually took this challenge seriously. Maybe that was his intent. Just waste people's time and go look up my promos for some deeper meaning that God knows was not there. Anyway, I think some people might might have enjoyed the process, so I can't I can't really say say it for everybody. But I I that's anyway not the type of game I like. Backstage, Lacey Evans. Uh, this would be number four. No, she didn't technically appear, so this was probably just a pre-taped thing. What? For all we know. This was on SmackDown. She didn't appear in the arena. This is a promo on SmackDown. On the show. So you can appear in a segment specifically for the show. This doesn't count. Yeah. Why does this not count? She did not step foot into the ring. I think that's what officially the wild card is for. (laughs) It's the stupidest thing. Lacey Evans was uh, too busy watching. Everyone's too busy watching reruns of Becky and Charlotte and forgetting about her match. She's going to give Becky a new nickname. Becky Black Eye. Yes. And Lacey's, get ready for this. If ever this was a hot selling t-shirt, Lacey's new nickname is going to be Lacey Evans, Raw Women's Champion. That's not a nickname. That's a title. Yeah, I don't know if that'll be a big seller. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. John Pollock, co-host. I want everyone to refer to me as that from now on. Oh, that would sell huge. I should get on that. All right. So Lacey Evans didn't count. It was just an illusion. It was like all those Austin pre-tapes I watched on Nitro back in the day, right? No, I'm going to say no, because this was just a, it was just a promo. I feel like on Raw, we've probably seen promos uh, from other people, right? That wouldn't count. She wouldn't have to fill, fill up paperwork just to have this air. Okay. This was so important. This had to be on this show, but this does not constitute the wild card. Yeah. Number. No, it doesn't. Okay. I, I don't have the energy. She's basically here to say, hey, guys, I have a match too. That's all she needed to say. Okay. Are you ready for the main event? Oh, yeah. The Bard. 
Fascinating, huh? For within his word, we find struggle between ambition and a manner how one pursues their goals. That appearances are deceptive, and at the end, we are left with our own truth. For my opponents who try to get inside my head, I guarantee you that you will not like the place that you try and venture into. And thus, I clothe my naked villainy with old, odd ends stolen from Holy Riffin. Seems sane when most I play. Huh. Fade to black. Holy Riffin, what does that mean? I listened to this thing four times in a row. I googled this word. It does not exist. It. I don't know if, like, Holy Griffin was something I was able to find on Google, but he does not say that. He says, Holy Riffin. Holy Riffin, okay. I can only envision that he mispronounced something. God knows what this promo was about, but, uh, <laughs> man... Should should I be saving all these promos for 2023 when he tells me to go back and pick out the fourth word that was missing? Yeah, yeah. Somebody's somebody out there is going to do that, but um, you don't have to do that, John. L- listen, I I found these really cool for like the several weeks that they've been occurring. This week was when I started to feel it was getting it to be a bit much. Because like this was nonsense. This was nonsense that I just read to you. I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe not so. To me, not not so much nonsense, but more so like you know, a a high school goth kid who's trying a bit too hard to sound grown up by using thesaurus.com. Um, because he's starting to feel like a caricature, and I think that's what you want to avoid. Um, the cool factor to me is starting to rub off, and instead he's looking more and more like a cartoon. So. I hope after Money Money in the Bank, we finally get to see this guy back in the ring. He's doing a little too much talking right now and not enough action. Daniel Bryan, Rowan, Elias, and Shane versus Roman Reigns and the Usos. Corey Graves compared Byron Saxton to Twitter because he was upset with the result he wanted, so he complains regarding Bryan and Rowan getting the tag titles. The crowd was singing for Elias. Jay tweaked his knee, so they worked on him for a long time until Roman Reigns got the big hot tag he came in with Daniel Bryan. Eventually, Elias came in, landing a flying knee onto Reigns, so they took over again. Rowan did his deal where he squeezed the temples of Roman with his fists. They went through a second commercial break. Then, uh, Reigns is able to tag in Jimmy, who's in with Bryan. Uh, there's super kicks delivered to the heels, double super kick to Rowan. Uh, Jay then takes the drift away, while Jimmy super kicks Elias away, takes the running knee from Bryan. Reigns is in for the save. And Rowan and Reigns make their way to the floor, with Reigns coming off the steps of the Superman punch. Elias sends Reigns into the steps to take him away for the finish. As Shane climbs to the top, there is Jimmy laying in the corner, and Shane hits the coast-to-coast dropkick, and Shane McMahon pins Jimmy Uso. Yes, the best in the world. In an unofficial number one contenders match, because Jimmy taking the fall earned them a tag title shot. For Sunday. I don't know if that's for the title, is it? Yes. They announced that the matches for the title. It's Daniel Bryan and Rowan against the Usos. I don't know if it's for the belts, though. What's it for, then? Bragging rights. They're not even on the same show. Well, that's what I mean. Oh, my God. 
I mean, Dude, I could this be... is so this is so much harder than it needs to be. Uh, it's, it's yeah, just... you're right. It's listed here just tag team match. So the champions are taking on the Usos. It's a non-title interpromotional match on the kickoff show. Pretty much. Uh, that right? Yeah, I think so. Cool. Listen, it's just the way to put them on the show because they have nothing else to do. And with these four, it's not something I, I can really complain about because they're great. I also don't necessarily think you're going to get perhaps that's a substantial of a match since it's on the kickoff. It's also, I wonder what it's leading to. I imagine maybe somebody will do a run-in somewhere and you'll kind of break off into your next programs there. But that's kind of what you're getting. This match, I thought, was, you know, well executed. Again, everybody here, I would say most crowd, people The crowd here, was into it. Yeah. They were pretty, pretty into the whole match. And this was a lengthy match. It well, went like two segments. And, and maybe that's part of the separation. Maybe the live crowd really enjoyed it. But with the two commercial breaks in between, I, I felt it went a little too long for TV, especially when you had zero stakes involved here. So, um, you know, but filling TV time seems to be what, what they're going for right now. Miz comes out as soon as the match ends, so he doesn't violate his uh, his ruling by Shane. Runs down with his chair and starts attacking everyone. There's a double super kick to Brian. Shane retreats as Reigns spears Rowan, and it was a nice touch at the end as Shane is like uh, running away. Greg Hamilton announces him as the winner and the best in the world. <laughs> so they put all, they put a lot of heat here on Shane getting the pin on Jimmy. Um, I think his his win on Jimmy, they he could have been a little more underhanded. Like he just hit the spectacular move and pinned Jimmy Uso. Uh, there was nothing really to complain about the guy for how he beat him. He's certainly uh, not the cowardly heel, John. He is the legitimate heel. He is yeah, he's, Brock Lesnar. He is. So that ended that that segment. Ember Moon did a selfie promo where she mentioned manifesting her greatness uh, to become. Miss Money in the Bank. Bailey cut a promo. She's going to step out of the shadows, and she's more than just a hugger. On Sunday, she will be a winner. Yeah. Selfie promo. All, all are... words that came out in that order. <laughs> you don't think this would have existed in, in like, uh, I don't know, like the 80s or something? You don't think guys would have spoken like this? I think it would have sounded a whole lot more convincing. Do you think that's the problem, or or is it the 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 ver the verbiage? Is it the delivery or or the words? I think there's a there's a combination. I think that the it, it's very hard to do these these ten second promos that are just so generic in in what they say. There's really not a whole lot you can do with this. Um, but you also don't have a lot of these over the top wild characters that can make some of this stuff work. Like you don't have a Scott Steiner that if you gave one of these two, it'd be entertaining because it's Scott Steiner yelling well, that, about manifesting his greatness. True. That, that Steiner promos at this point are, are more like you're kind of laughing at him, but he's also in on the joke now. So you're, you're more laughing with him. I suppose he's kind of made like a, a gimmick now out of like bad promos. Yeah. I, I don't know if Dwayne Johnson would be able to come up yeah. doing these. And have much success either. They are what they are. Um, it's it's not the death of these characters, but it's it's not enhancing them either. This is where they announce Brian and Rowan against the Usos on the kickoff show for nothing. Then Paige is in the ring with Kyrie Sane and Asuka while the Iconics are on commentary for the next match. I know you were excited by this. 
Oh, the Iconics on commentary? I love them. Yeah, you're going to get a whole match with them. Oh, boy. Paige introduces us to the Kabuki Warriors, who are the future of the division. Oh, man. Have at it, Way. Well, I I don't expect... damn, (laughs) I've got it. Listen, I don't expect that, like, you know, a, a great quality name at this point. So I'm not entirely shocked that we're getting the Kabuki Warriors. Um, I think I am a little bit shocked at, at the fact that of all words that they chose to use, it was Warriors. The same word that they changed the other name over. I thought Vince hated the, the name War. Why are Warriors, I guess, are, are okay? They're, they're hot and cold with it. Like, uh, Ember Moon, what is she? The the war goddess? Yes. Isn't one of them the war goddess? Yes. It doesn't her. matter. It's, dude, it's, what what side of the bed did the guy wake how, up on? Uh, how, you can't dissect the stuff. How you could can't you, try and make sense of it. How could you find any any fault with war raiders? What the hell is wrong with that? And it, And if so, why not change them to, like, at least the Viking warriors or something like that? Kabuki warriors, whatever. It's, you know, what the... It's a WWE name. Yeah, I mean, for all I know, maybe, you know, Asuka and Kairi Singh came up with it themselves. Who fucking knows? It's... it's I don't care who came up with it. It's uh, it's, it's on the, the level of, of all their WWE names. Rose and DeVille came out. They mocked Meghan Markle's baby. This seemed to be their only material for the UK crowd was, well, Meghan Markle had a baby. In the Wonderwall. Uh, Oh yeah, they had Wonderwall. So <laughs> we 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 what? had a modern reference, and we went twenty five years in the past. Well, what do, what does like a non British person think of Britain? It's Oasis and the Royals. They've moved ahead of a uh, T, and having the the phone booths out there for, as part of the set. So they've made small advancements. But I, I guess like as far as like you know what like pop culture things that would have permeated to like North America, I I'm having a tough time honestly. Like that's the that's the West like North Americaners reference points for Britain. Brexit Oasis goes back to Oasis. Rosen DeVille said that names do matter. Names like Miss Money in the Bank, which is what Mandy's going to be on Sunday. And then she tells Sonia, she reassures her, then we will go for the tag titles. But the future of the division is not the Kabuki Warriors. Or the Iconics. It's fire and desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a menu of names here. I, I do appreciate the fact that they actually have names, though. I think it's better than just calling them uh, Sonia and Mandy or Asuka and Kairi Sane. So, give so me last week that. or two weeks ago, the last time you and I discussed uh, Kairi Sane and Asuka, you pointed out <laughs> their theme music. It's the best, dude. They literally are. (laughs) They pull down the volume on one and put the other up. And then they go back and forth. It it was like we heard two of Kyrie's like (laughs) bookending them with Oscars in the middle. Like they're just putting the volume up and down. That's it. It's so bad. It's it's (laughs) it's so distracting and it's so bad. And I'll tell you what's worse was like the segment after this when Kayla is talking to Lars Sullivan. You still hear this terrible Back and forth, Kyrie saying Asuka theme in the background. Uh, it it just, sounds like a mistake. It sounds like they played the wrong song and are correcting it, but it's how it's intended to be. 
it's it's a mistake um, that they believe is the right thing to do. Oh, maybe they're gonna get a Kabuki Warriors inspired theme. Oh, certainly they are. I don't. I don't. I mean, I I see. That, I hope this theme is at least a temporary thing and not something you know uh, more permanent, which I fully expect. Um, Chinese. They'll get flute- Taka's old old, old yeah. theme way. Chinese flute music number ten. Well, yes, it's probably coming right up. Vince has got the font loaded up. Yeah. So Kyrie and Asuka took on Fire and Desire. And this is when the Iconics are asked, you know, they, they've beaten you uh, in reference. Uh, I think both teams have beaten them, haven't they? Um, Zane and Asuka have. Anyway, they were mentioning whatever. that multiple teams have beaten them in non-title matches. And the Iconics explained that just because you beat someone doesn't mean you get a title shot. That's an antiquated thought process. <laughs> Oh man, that's so. It's. I know. I don't. I know that's probably just a throwaway comment, but I mean, it just t- tells me that there's no reason at all to care about any of these matches. Wins and losses really don't matter. <laughs> they asked the Iconics, "What do you think about the name, the Kabuki Warriors?" Oh, I hate it. <laughs> Saxton then says. It doesn't matter what the name is. It's the talent behind the name. So already the babyface announcer is defending this name. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, match goes on. They had the advantage on Sane for a while. She rolled to tag in Asuka, who came in, hit a release German to Mandy Rose, hit a head kick, then goes for the Asuka lock. DeVille runs in for the save and attacks DeVille with a kick. There's a spine buster to Asuka. And then with Asuka down, Mandy wants to be tagged in. So Sonya reluctantly tags her. Rose goes for the cover, and Asuka turns into a crucifix and pins Mandy Rose. So she got greedy and cost her team the victory. And Sonya Deville was very frustrated as uh, Ice was upset. <laughs> Desire. At fire. Desire, John. Oh, sorry. Fire <laughs> and Ice. That would be that would be my choice. Oh. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, which yeah. one's Fire? Sonya. Sonya's fire, yeah. Mandy's desire. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Fire and desire. <laughs> I I you know, seeing Asuka and Kyrie Sane in ring as a tag team, automatically they have some of the best chemistry of any tag team in the WWE. Like outside of the Usos, outside of the bar, I, I already put them kind of up on that level. They're certainly light years ahead of any other tag team in the women's division. Um but it's clear to me from watching this that good in ring wrestling is not going to be the focus of this division or this show because instead of talking about how great this tag team is, it's just the commentators and the Iconics not paying attention at all to what's going on in ring and just basically opening the field here with you know some pretty visuals inside the ring to let the Iconics be annoying on commentary as usual, which I know is their gimmick, but I just don't get the purpose at this time here because... To me, it did nothing to build to a future match between the Iconics and, and the, whatever, the Kabuki experience. They the have Kabuki Warriors. Sorry, whatever. The Kabuki. Yes, thank you, John. They haven't even established Saiyan and Asuka as a team yet. Why not focus on talking about how, what, how great this tag team is first and then introduce the Iconics and let them do the, their whole annoying thing and, and then have Paige step in and then I might want to see the match. Right now, it's just, I just left this match not remembering really the wrestling at all. I just remembered all the the noise, just the terrible, terrible noise that's still in my head. Kayla was backstage with Lars Sullivan and tried to ask him about the destruction 
And that's as far as she got before she got scared and just left as the man was just staring. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder what kind of reaction like this this guy's going to get in front of like certain towns now. Live. I think it was notable they opted to keep him backstage and not put him in front of the crowd tonight. I mean, thing is, like, he's a heel anyway, so they they would might as well just kind of go with it. Um, but yeah, I don't know it's just, it's always kind of been. I think this was mainly for this week, and I think by Sunday, uh, if he's on the pay per view or next week, it'll be back to. Whatever their plans were for him moving forward. Mm-hmm. Kevin Owens is in the back. He says he is not facing the new day at Money in the Bank. He's facing Kofi. We're going to find out if he can stand on his own and he's going to break his back or his leg or pop a shoulder out of its socket. And he gets interrupted by the new day's music playing in the background for the final segment as Kofi comes out to the ring. And he gets into the ring and he calls out Kevin Owens who does not appear uh, in the arena. He shows up on the screen again. And he says, for the first time in 11 years, Kofi is on his own. I thought Kofi was on his own for quite a bit of his WWE run until he locked up, uh, hooked up with the New Day. I would say so, yeah. Well, he had Evan Bourne. That's true. Yeah. So He says that this is happening at the worst time possible for him because... He is only champion because of the New Day, and now he doesn't have Woods and Big E by his side. He says he is the most dangerous man in WWE and cut to his own highlight video. What a narcissist. Oh, with his own voiceover, too. Yes. Um, I did think the videos were very good on this show. Um, This goes back to Owens making his uh, Raw debut in May of 2015, where, in his words, he took out the Babe Ruth of WWE. Yeah. Trademark WWE. <laughs> then he won all his titles. They showed highlights of the Festival of Friendship, the apron bomb onto Woods, and now it's time to take what is his. The WWE title. Kingston is the video, tired. The videos, John, are, are always good because it's they they basically make sense of all this chaos. You know, like you're not watching these things happen in real time. You're you're seeing basically a Wikipedia Coles Notes version of what the story was that you're supposed to have seen. So whether or not they were successful in in its initial execution, these videos make sense of it all for you. You know what the biggest difference is? Is that so many of these promos are about what is this performer about to do? I am going to be WWE champion. I'm going to be Mr. Money in the Bank. I'm going to be Miss Money in the Bank. And it's just like the what, what, what. And these videos, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And you get some actual depth to these characters that what is the motivation? Be Why do I care that, you, that I, I should care about you being WWE champion or winning Money in the Bank? It's yeah. like it's, it's the first line of... of the, the hypothesis here is so many of these promos, there's no depth to it. And these videos, you can, you can rely, you have the entire history of every one of these characters on tape. I think at least part of the problem with, with that is because they don't know what the why is a lot of the times when they're set to, you know, pre-tape these promos for that evening show. It's only until after the fact when they realize, oh, I said this and I said this and I said this. Well, I guess I can craft a story. I can craft a narrative here. 
but I, I have a feeling that a lot of these these performers just simply don't know the full story arc when they start to set out on these programs and these feuds, and therefore you don't really have a why until at the end. Like this show tonight felt as though they were able to tap into a lot of that. I mean, to me, it was the most effective segment they had for Becky and Charlotte was a video. Certainly, I think Kevin Owens, this was like the closest we've gotten to anything of substance since he's come back. It was just this, this quick two-minute video. So basically, we should only have videos. That's it. Two hours, pre-tapes. So Kingston is tired of hearing him talk. He clears the set. Owens comes out, and he keeps teasing that he's going to enter the ring, but then we'll turn around. And so Kingston just goes out after him and starts attacking Kevin Owens in the aisle. When Sami Zayn jumps Kingston, and Tom Phillips yells, It's the last wild card! So what number was this? Is this four? This would make it number four if we count the Usos as one. And if we don't count Lacey Evans, yes. Yeah, we don't count Lacey Evans. So there you go. Whatever creative math you come up with, that's your answer. Woods runs down. Owens and Zayn get the advantage. And Owens is screaming at Kofi in the corner after they've taken out Woods. He's going to take the title on Sunday. And then he sets up for the cannonball, misses Kofi. And then Zayn misses with the Haluva kick and takes a trouble in paradise as Owens retreats. And that's how we ended the show. It just kind of reminds me that, like, going forward, these writing teams are going to have to, like, come up with a reason to have four people jump shows every single week. And sometimes that's great, but many times you simply don't have a reason. And that's why you have Apollo Crews showing up on Raw uh, to face, who did he face? Mojo Mojo. Raleigh, of all people. Um, And this week, at least, it made sense. You know, it's Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. They have a long history together. I actually felt like it was a clever use of the wild card in this segment at the end here. Um, but there are going to be weeks weeks where, like, guys will have no reason to show up on a certain show. And- I think they're also getting into the trap of feeling we have to do four every week. I mean, mm-hmm. it can be yeah. four. It could be three. And No, it's going to be four every week. Yeah, but it's like, if, if there's no set reason for it, then then don't do it. Well, that's not the rule, John. That's not the thing that, that's going to shake things up. Just simply say it's it's up to four. I mean, I, I would rather have, like, solid ideas for two or three people rather than forcing a fourth guy. More so on the SmackDown end where, I mean, it, it, is, a, it is a shorter show. And to fit in, like, think about that. We Like, we watch SmackDown so many weeks where there's just no time for all these people. And now you're, you've got to work in four additional bodies every single week. Uh, and maybe more if you're talking about tag teams or pre-tapes, which don't count. Yeah. So um, I, I like the ending segment uh, more. So I, I kind of just wish Owens and Zane kind of were the ones standing tall at the end of this, having the advantage on, on Kofi Kingston rather than him doing the comeback at the end. But I thought this overall was, a pretty strong week for Kevin Owens, who I, I think it's been kind of lackluster since he's come back. And he's really no fault of his own that he's just been the victim of all these circumstances beyond his control of Brian being hurt, of you know the quick turn that they had to do, and just all these things that it just seems this guy's had terrible luck. And here we are going into this show, and I thought they at least had their most productive week of buildup for this title match on the final show. 
Yeah, I'm I'm less kind of hot on on this program by the end. I think I had some, you know, somewhat high hopes for it when Owens initially made the turn. I thought we were going to see somewhat of a program of Owens taking on Kofi by himself now. And it's kind of been that, but it hasn't completely been that. You know, like Woods is still been around. They haven't necessarily kind of focused on 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 the story of Kofi now having to like defend his belt on his own. And I would say by the end of it, Owens to me just kind of feels like, you know, he'll be a a title defense for Kofi rather than anybody who I can seriously take as a challenger. Um, and perhaps that's due to lack of time, lack of development for, for the current Owens heel character, or maybe just even just a lack of personal grudge, I would say. Um, but I, I really don't see the title changing at all. Uh, and I, I don't see, I don't see that much intrigue for the match itself, unfortunately. But let's also remember that the potential of the cash-in for Kofi exists as well. Sure. How many matches do you think have been announced for Money in the Bank? Um, I don't know. I'm going to guess seven. Eleven. Wow. Is that typical? It's, it's a four-hour show. So Even with the Money in the Bank matches, they have 11 matches? Yes. Okay. Shall we, shall we go through the... Well, first of all, what do you think of the show? This um... I thought the show was, you know, it's a, it was a six out of 10. That would be my, my ranking. There, there was stuff I liked on the show. It certainly moved a hell of a lot quicker than Raw did for me on Monday night. I thought it was uh, the better produced show of the week. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, hardly a, a home run for your setting up money in the bank. I kind of had similar thoughts coming out of SmackDown as I did Raw. I, I didn't think there was really anything fundamentally bad about the show. To me, it was just all rather forgettable, and maybe that just speaks more to to, to the current storylines and how I just don't really feel like there are any hot storylines going on right now, including you know Becky Lynch's programs, including Kofi Kingston's programs. To me, it remains their biggest problem currently. It's just the the lack of stories, not necessarily the star power. Yeah, this uh, this this lead up to Money in the Bank. When you think about all that has gone on from WrestleMania to this pay per view. Like from the superstar shakeup, the wild card, the injuries that they've had. Like, it just seems like everything has been a mess. That's what it feels like. You almost just mm-hmm. want a clean slate of programs uh, going into the next pay-per-view. But I think the next pay-per-view is going to present many different challenges of, I think, largely of either indifference or outright negativity from fans about that show that they're going to have to be promoting for the next three weeks. So, yeah, if they get Taker and Gold- Goldberg on TV, I think, you know, people at live will, will almost always react positively to it. You're, you're going to see some very big reactions for the star power of those two men um, online. It could be slightly different. All right. So here's the card for Sunday. And maybe we'll, we'll preview more of this on the Hangout this Thursday. So we have Becky Lynch against Lacey Evans for the Raw Women's title and Becky versus Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's title. Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles for the Universal title. Men's Money in the Bank ladder match has Sami Zayn replacing Braun Strowman, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Ali, Finn Balor, Andrade, and Randy Orton, which should be a really, really good match. Oh, certainly. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing Finn Balor in, in, in one of these, to seeing Andrade and, and Ricochet, of course. Like, all these guys are good. And I'm even including Baron Corbin, because we've seen him in Money in the Bank matches and. He's he's fit perfectly well in all these, and so I think it'll be a really good match. 
The women's match has Carmella, Ember Moon, Mandy Rose, Bailey, Alexa Bliss, Naomi, Dana Brooke, and Natalia. Roman Reigns versus Elias with nothing on the line. That should be two minutes. Hopefully. I mean, it'll be a song, probably. Yeah, do the Elias song. Uh, Roman kills him, and you ensure a big reaction for Roman. Sir. On this show, this does not need to be long. Uh, The Miz versus Shane McMahon in a steel cage match. That should also be two minutes, but it won't be. Kofi Kingston versus Kevin Owens for the WWE title. Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio for the United States title. Tony Nese versus Arya Davari for the Cruiserweight title. And on the kickoff, Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus the Usos. Yeah, that's actually one of the matches I'm probably looking forward to the most. Hasn't the program been the Usos versus the Revival? Yes, it has. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, well, they're saving that one. Yeah, that's a big match. You can't just give that away. All right, so that's Money in the Bank coming up on Sunday. Let's go to some feedback before we get out of here. And you can always go to forum.postwrestling.com. I got a complaint way on Tuesday stating that when I started the show on Monday night and set off the bat that I didn't like Raw. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. I spoiled my own show. (laughs) This is a joke, right? They prefer... This is one person. They prefer that I do the review and then it's a guessing game as to whether I like the show or not that I announce at the end of the review. I howled and just <laughs> like, really I'm funny. done. I'm done. I will never get something more ludicrous than this in my you life. Know, some, sometimes those, those initial reactions could be a swerve. Maybe you'll go through the, the course of the review and you'll change your mind. Yeah, maybe I will. Yeah, you got to listen right through. Maybe I, maybe I'll turn out to like a show by the end of it. All right, feedback. First off, on a well, I already said I'm. Are, I gave are this we one are a we six. talking any any about uh, best of the super juniors? Oh yeah, let's do that right after the feedback. Okay, okay. So yeah, people, because I saw somebody comment about how um they like that we do it at the end so that oh, we don't give God. away spoilers for best of the super juniors. Guys, you've really got to get over the spoiler stuff. I think that I think it's going to be the death of me in 2019. Uh, yeah, no, I respect it. I, I I do depending on 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 the the story, you know, as much as we can. Like we have to do our jobs here as well. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to uh, ruin uh the the first match of Ren Narita in the Best of the Super <laughs> Juniors tournament. I don't I don't want to I don't want to ruin anyone's entire. Well, this week. person this person was complimenting that we're saving it for the end. Okay. Well, I just think you, you, we we can't put uh, all these expectations on on us. What did you think the show? Uh, what would you rank the show? I give it a five out of ten. Okay, I said six. Five point three six. Wow, we're very in tune with the. I think the board. All right, Paul from New Jersey writes: The Fatal Four Way was really good, minus the stupid grab the briefcase spot by Ricochet. Enjoyed the iconics on commentary more this time around. Between all of the filler and constant commercials, this show is hard to watch. Needs more wrestling. KO is fantastic. I don't think there was a shortage of wrestling on the show. There were only three matches, but one of them was several segments long with the the middle one. But um, I guess uh, the four-way had time as well. So it's not like there was no wrestling on this show. But yeah, I can see that. Jay from Colorado says, I really hate this wild card rule. It was hard enough when it was the same guys on Raw week to week. Now we've got the same guys at the top of both shows. 
nothing of note tonight at all aside from the iconics on commentary and Kevin Owens' outstanding performance as usual. Oh hey, and continuing from my comment last night, the writers still can't figure out Ricochet even on SmackDown. Speaking of writing, I saw a rumor that Dana Warrior is overseeing the writing on SmackDown in some capacity, but I can't see where she's written anything prior to being hired as a writer. Is there any validity to this? I mean, she's on the team. Um, I, I, that's they, they hire, kind of the rule. They hire people without experience, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah, necessarily, it's, you know, like, does Mick Foley's kid have any writing experience prior? Right. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are people that come in there, like there's, there's some that have written for other shows. That doesn't always mean it's going to translate to, uh, this style of programming. I mean, putting together WWE is, first of all, the environment is quite different and it's, um, you know, it's, I, I don't think the experience factor should be, um, necessarily mandatory that someone has done it's, it's X been amount a, of years of writing. It's been some of the criticism of, of, of the writing staff in the past is that they don't come from wrestling backgrounds and instead just come from purely Hollywood writing credit credentials. All right. Um, the other one is just about Lars, which we uh, talked about quite a lot at the top of the show. So let's quickly chat about uh, best of the super juniors. Uh, did you see Tuesday's show? I, I saw the tournament matches. Yeah. All right. So the first one we had Doki versus Ren Narita. Way, what were your impressions of Doki? I was actually quite interested in seeing Doki's uh, um, debut in the Best of the Super Juniors, as uh, because like simply because like New Japan, um, New Japan nineteen seventy two dot njpw published this like really interesting article, uh, just in an interview basically with him, and he seems to come with with a really interesting backstory of uh, you know he seems to represent a guy who's been in the trenches wrestling in Mexico in the worst conditions. Meanwhile, all these Japanese stars, they come in, go, go, go for like a three month vacation in Mexico. And then they go right back to their warm meals and their, um, war soft beds. So I was really interested from that perspective as a character. I don't know how much I really got to see in this match. Um, but I was interested to see how he would be in ring too. I kind of felt disappointed after watching this match, John. He didn't leave a big impression on me on the on the first day, and and Ren Narita is someone who I, I think is a good opponent to kind of have for kind of that that introduction uh, of this character. Who I think he has a cool kind of story, and I thought the announcers did a very good job of explaining that because uh, he's not a wrestler I was very familiar with at all. I had never seen him prior to this tournament, so I think it's a cool story. But yeah, this wasn't uh, a big blow away match. Um, Narita at one point used the uh, Sasori Gatami, which is the Scorpion Deathlock, but it was kind of a modified version. It, it was more not... of a Texas Cloverleaf. Yeah, it was like a Texas Cloverleaf setup, but he did put like, uh, yeah, I guess you could uh, compare it more so to a, a Cloverleaf. Uh, he did do the belly to belly, but not the the bridge, which always looks awesome. What I loved was that he let go of the hold for the bridge, and that's why. Doki ended up kicking out because, yeah, yeah. I mean, it protects his finish. He didn't fully yep. execute it the way it was supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, Doki then, he messed up this springboard face buster uh, right near the finish. And he hit his finish, which is the suplex de la luna, which is a wheelbarrow into a bridging German for the win. They went 10-16. I, yeah. I thought it was, it was average. Um, 
It was average. Again, though, I, I thought it was more, to me, a showcase for Ren and Rita and how how impressive, like, so many of these young lines look, especially, you know, somebody like, like Ren and Rita. Um, again, I don't know what type of, you know, wrestling style Doki typically wrestles. I don't know how well he he would fit um, in New Japan as a regular, I have to say. Robbie Eagles versus Rocky Romero. I thought this really picked up in the last five minutes. Uh, there was all these big exchanges of kicks throughout the match, and Eagles started attacking Rocky's knees, both of them, and that weakened him for his finish, which is the Ron Miller special, which is kind of like um, like an inverted figure four, uh, putting pressure on the knee. Uh, Eagles hit all of his his big spots in this, the the pulse drop, the turbo backpack, and at the end, he climbed to the top, and he delivered a 450 splash onto the bad knee of Romero and then reapplied the Ron Miller special and Romero tapped out. Uh, I, I thought by the end, this this really clicked. I thought it was a very solid match. I, I really enjoyed Rocky selling and I enjoyed uh, Eagles targeting uh, Rocky's injured knee. I man, They told a pretty simple story that way. El Fantasmo versus Bandito. Uh, this was a match I was certainly looking at the lineup today. This was the one I probably had the most interest in to see how, how this would turn out after Fantasma had that great debut last week in Fukuoka. Uh, he had his mouth busted open here in the match. Um, Bandito hit this Topekan hero to the floor, and the height that he got leaping over that top rope was insane. Uh, Bandito set up for his uh, 21-plex, which is where the guy uh, where, where he bounces off the rope and then Germans him. But Phantasmo used red shoes in the way, adjusted Bandito's mask so he couldn't see, and then hit his finisher, which is the greetings from Chasewood Park, which is the same maneuver he beat Will Ospreay with, and Phantasmo went over. And I would think that they're going to keep him unbeaten until he faces Will Ospreay, which I think is next Wednesday that he's going to be facing Ospreay. Um, how did you feel he looked here in his uh, follow-up after the debut last week? I think the debut for me was more more just like a introduction and also a way to um like show some parallels between he and and Osprey um that I I, I kind of felt more in terms of story more important than this match which to me just felt a bit more like an exhibition. It was a, an exhi- exhibition I was really looking forward to um but maybe less important in terms of story. Um I I think Fantasma looked fantastic as as he did uh the last time. Uh, Bandito looked very good too. I have to say the most shocking thing I saw in this match was when Fantasmo was on the floor, there was this adorable little child on his mother's lap and Fantasmo goes to high five him and then he gives him the finger instead. And this kid must have not been any, any more than like six. Um, and I, I just thought that was amazing that he, this dude would go to Japan and just like start giving fingers to like little children. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, I missed, I missed that spot, but he did that at the beginning with Bandito when Bandito went to shake his hand too. So he's just okay. making Canadians look terrible. I, I guess a grown man, I, I understand, but man, this, this child must be scarred for life. Unfortunately, I thought the match they itself- might not know what that means. Hopefully, hopefully in Japan, maybe that's not as lewd of a gesture. Um, the match was good. Uh, maybe, maybe you know, maybe not the like man classic that perhaps I had built up in my mind, but it was, um, it was, it was, it was a fun match. Yeah, I, I, I think that in the shadows of Show and Shingo Takagi, that a lot of really good matches are just going to be reduced to good matches because the comparison is going to last for several days, I think, to that first night. 
It's kind of true and kind of unfair. Yeah. Will Ospreay and Bushi followed that with, uh, they went 15 and a half minutes here. Um, I thought Ospreay looked good here. He did his, uh, his GIF spot of the show way where he was lifting up Bushi on his shoulders from the second turnbuckle. And I don't know what he was going to be doing with him, but then Bushi turned it into a super hurricane Rana and Osprey landed on his feet. Yeah, it looked really cool. Um, you know, not quite on the level of the of the same type of spot with Koda and uh, Koda Ibushi, that, that, uh, the over-the-shoulder thing. But I'm with you. I have no idea what this dude was going for, especially with the, the injured neck that he was selling. Like, if you're injured, if you've injured your neck, what what are you going for exactly by lifting a man into a, an electric chair on top of the turnbuckle? Electric chair to the floor. <laughs> Yeah, it Come was, uh, yeah, the the counter into the Rana was the only conceivable outcome here. Uh, they did a big tease of a count out where Osprey was took a DDT onto the edge of the apron. Uh, and this played off of uh, the night before in a tag match. Uh, Osprey was DDT'd on the floor by Bushi and they really milked it. He got in right at the last second and the, the crowd roared. And then Osprey stopped the MX. He hit the Robinson special, avoided the mist. He hit the hidden blade and then the Stormbreaker to win. Uh, I thought it was a very, very good match. Um, maybe the best match on this show of the tournament matches. I think so. I think so. And I think so much of that is, you know, just the the current, like, you put Will Ospreay, I think, with almost anybody and the match automatically is, is, is going to be of a certain quality. Um, I thought, like, all the stuff at the end with him dodging the mist, everything was just timed so quickly and so perfectly um, that I would agree this would probably be my favorite match of the night. And then the main event was Ryusuke Taguchi and Yo, who are both from uh, Miyagi. And I think that was the thinking of putting these two into the main event, especially Taguchi. So Yo controlled the first half of the match. And then it was Taguchi fighting back using his hip attacks and Yo attacked Taguchi's knees. He used a figure four spot and it was essentially just Yo trying to hang here with a more established veteran in Taguchi. And Yo kicked out of a tiger suplex, and the crowd heated up at this point as Taguchi lifted Yo onto his shoulders. Uh, earlier, he had tried a Dodon, so this time, when he lifted him on his shoulders, almost like uh, setting him up like a torture rack, and then spun him around into a different version of the Dodon, which Chris Charlton instantly identified was the same maneuver that Taguchi beat Prince Devitt with in Devitt's final match in 2014, or should I say, divot? <laughs> yes. Uh, and <laughs> Taguchi wins here. Um, I know some people were kind of down on this main event. I, I thought it was a fine match. I I, I liked it. Um, didn't it wasn't the match of the show for me, but I, I thought it was fine. I thought I thought all the tournament matches on this show. I enjoyed them for different reasons, but none of them to me are going to be uh, t- top five or top ten matches by the end of this tournament. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think knowing, you know, the significance of both men uh, wrestling in their hometown or home prefecture or whatever adds a lot to, you know, perhaps the 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 vibe of the match. It was a match that exceeded my expectations that as I th- I think, you know, often Taguchi matches do. Um I I think, you know, we often forget maybe how good like Yo is because Show is that much better, but I think Yo is just fantastic on his own. Um, this was to me a very good display for him, and I think also a great display for Chris Charlton, who not only again like to me seems so invaluable to this commentary team and New Japan, not only for his translation skills, but his 
like his wealth of, of great knowledge of, of the product. So it, I thought a great performance from him. And then, you know, I actually quite like Caprice Coleman on this show too. Yeah. I think that Caprice Coleman, I'm, I imagine he's there for the whole tournament. Um, I, I like his energy. I think that he's, um, you know, he's not my favorite commentator, but I, I don't think he's um, a detriment on the broadcast. And I, I thought that he added to the, to the Shingo show match, just like he was so invested in all of those near falls that he just, it was like the, it was like a fan that was just reacting naturally uh, that he came across. Yeah. So I, I've liked him. I, I thought he's, he's done all right. There are moments where like, I, 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 I kind of sense he, he might be bullshitting a little much, like just kind of filling silence for the sake of doing so. But then he has other moments where like, he, he really knows like this roster having experience with them through ring of honor or throughout his career that actually adds a lot to, to the commentary. So I, I enjoyed him more tonight than the first night. There was an awesome moment where oh, I'm trying to remember who it was. It might have been um, might have been Doki. It might have been Bandito. I, I don't even know who it was. It doesn't really matter. But they started speaking Spanish. And yeah, it was Caprice Doki. goes, it was a Doki? Okay. And, yeah. and Coleman goes, what did he say? And Chris is like, oh, he was speaking Spanish. And Coleman let it rest for a minute. And he was like, so what did he say? And Chris had to inform him, you know, I'm not fluent in every language. I, I'm here for the Japanese. And then they moved <laughs> on. But Coleman was like, he didn't understand this. Like, why is Spanish uh, not being translated here? Doesn't this guy know all the languages? I thought it was Chris really Tra funny. Chris Charlton is basically Google Translate. That's that's what he was. A Goldman was just uh, mystified here that this guy didn't uh, wasn't able to translate. Uh, so quickly before we end, I'm going to read off the tournament matches for Wednesday, and I want your picks way. Sure. Okay. So first I'd up, be terrible at these, but okay. Well, it's it's booking a tournament too, so it's like you can't. There's there's no uh, easy pick to make. It could be all over the place. It's it's putting together a larger picture. Jonathan Gresham versus Takamichinoku, both 0-1. I'm going to say Gresham. Me too. Uh, Tiger Mask versus Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Tiger Mask has two points. Kanemaru, zero. Um, I, I, I don't see... It, some of these are so tough because like, it doesn't matter in the end. Um, I'm going to say Tiger Mask. Why not? I think Kanemaru just even things out in this one. Um, Teton versus Shingo Takagi, both 1-0. and Is Teton going to end the streak? I don't think so. No. Uh, Marty Skrull versus Taiji Shimori. That's going to be really good. Both yeah. are 1-0. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say Ishimori with this one. Um, he, he... I mean, I don't see any value in, in Skrull beating him. So... Yeah, Ishimori just pinned the champion. Um, I mean, you you could have Skrull win this one. I don't think it's out of it, but um, yeah, I'll leave. A way to kill the kill that momentum. Yeah, and then the main event. Um, I'm expecting a much better match from Dragon Lee, and I hope we get something close to his first match. Dragon Lee versus Show in the main event. Like this, this is a tournament. They, I think, Show is coming out of this a megastar. I think so too. Um, but can Dragon Lee afford another loss? No, I think I think, I think he's definitely winning this, especially against Show. I think so too. 
And maybe that's, I think show, it's going to mean a lot when, like, this guy is not, um, I think he's going to get, like, four or five wins in this tournament. And that first one is going to be something really big. So I don't think these losses out of the gate are, I mean, Jesus, he's just had the best match of his career. So yeah. um, he's probably going to have another show stealer on, on Wednesday. So The yeah, show he, stealer. The show stealer. How the hell did I miss that one? God, Damn. Amazing. All right. Yeah. That's going to wrap up the show. So thanks to everybody for listening. <laughs> Way and I are back Wednesday night with the double shot. Did it again. At uh, postwrestlingcafe.com. And we'll be chatting all about the final episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, Tom McGee versus Bret Hart being the elite. Lots more coming up on Wednesday night. So we're going to chat with you then. Good night.